you are listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. For more information about our church, you can find us at heightschurch.org. My name's Lee, and uh, if you're a guest with us today, whether you're online or here in person, we want to welcome you. Our, Our mission at Heights is to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. And so that is our prayer, just what we just sang, that your hope is found in the hands of Jesus. So if you're a guest with us in person today, uh, there is a welcome card uh, that's right there in front of us. If you would fill that out just uh, so we can connect better with you or and, and you see if you have any questions, ways we can pray for you. At the end of our service, there are gray boxes on the black tables by the doors. You can just simply put that in there. Uh, for those that are watching online, there is a link called Connect, and you can click that. We'd love to connect with you as well. Uh, as you're filling that out, I want to say just a big, big thank you in a couple of ways to you as a church in just ways right now you are showing a lot of faithfulness. And one of those areas is in your giving. Uh, when you're in here in the worship center, there is a couple of envelopes that are in front of you. Uh, this one right here that says Heights on it, this is your general offering envelope. Uh, this one here says, I love our church. This is what we call our capital improvement fund. And our capital improvement fund, uh, that goes to our renovations or major repairs that we have here on campus sometimes. Like right now, uh, we are needing to repair Building B's roof. That's one of our oldest buildings here on campus that we continue to use uh, in a lot of different ways. And we've got to do a, a really an overhaul of the trusses and the roof. And it's a lot of work that's coming in that. And so if you give to that, that's going to go to something like this. But uh, let me also say just your general offering is so important uh, because what we saw in our, our world uh, this past week with Hurricane Laura uh, as it has you know, moved in Louisiana and uh, you know, through the East Coast and all the damage that it did, uh, Southern Baptists have a disaster relief organization. And we're the, actually the third largest disaster relief organization uh, here in the United States. And so when you give, we as a church give 10% of every dollar that comes in to the Southern Baptist Convention. So for instance, if you uh, give a dollar this morning, a dime is going to walk out the door and it's going to go to the SBC. Then they take that dime and they disperse it among their different organizations. So literally by you giving today, you're helping fund work that's being done in, um, in, in Louisiana right now with Hurricane Laura cleanup. And so as we come in as a group and we clean up homes and help cut down trees and uh, feed folks, you're giving the opportunity for people to hear about Jesus. So thank you so much. I know we have people uh, who will be leaving here soon on chainsaw crews who not only serve, but you as a church, thank you for your faithful giving in that. Uh, that helps uh, the good news of Jesus Christ get out uh, beyond just Alvin. And so thank you, thank you so much for that. want to also thank you for your faithfulness right now. Uh, we have a challenge that you see this card uh, called our 1040 Invite Challenge. So about three weeks ago, 
ago, we said as a church, uh, we were going to invite 1,040 people to our worship services throughout the rest of the year, whether that's online or that's here in person. And so far, you guys have been doing great at that. We ask you, if you get a chance to do that, you can either turn it in online or you can just simply write a number down here on the card. And somebody asked me, like, why do we do that? Why do you want to get stories from us or numbers from us? Well, let me put it in terms that all of us would understand. If you want to lose 20 pounds and you're on a diet, do you ever step on a scale to see how you're doing? Yeah, right? You, you step on a scale and you go, oh, I've lost a few. All right, I got a few more to go. So we do the same thing. We're just like, hey, we want to see how we're doing as a church. And, and a couple of the stories we've gotten lately have been really, really neat. Let me uh, share a few um, with you. Someone said that they invited a friend to watch online. Uh, that person did, and then they shared it with two of their friends to watch. Another story that came in this past week said, I have a friend that I've been sharing the gospel with in my neighborhood, and they've watched. Uh, someone said last week they sent out a social media invite, and a friend tuned in uh, last week to watch for the very first time. So thank you so much for doing that. A simple invite may just really radically change somebody's life if they give that life over to Jesus Christ. And so God's going to use you in that. Thank you so much uh, for doing that. If you've got a Bible this morning, let's go to Romans chapter 8. Or if you've got an app on your phone... Uh, let's begin in Romans chapter 8. Unfortunately, I don't have the words on the screen for you this morning. And uh, so if you will follow along, maybe with an app on your phone, a Bible in your hand, or just simply listen, uh, we'll be in Romans chapter 8 this morning. And uh, as you're turning there, let me open us in a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you for today. And Lord, I thank you for all of the good work uh, that, Lord, you are doing, uh, not only here but around the world, that our, our hope can be found in Jesus, in Jesus alone. And so, Lord, I, I thank you this morning for a time where we've been able to worship you through song. Uh, we come to you now. We're ready to worship you in the word. And so, Father, tune our minds and our hearts to be able to hear your word this morning so that we may better worship you and honor you with our lives. Lord, we want to be a people who know how to pray better. And so, Father, help us to understand uh, prayer this morning afresh and anew. We pray in Christ's name. Amen and amen. I'm going to take you back to some of you to your childhood because some of you grew up maybe going to a church uh, that had pews or uh, these crazy books that you open when they sang called hymnals, right? Any of you remember the days of hymnals? You know, I, I grew up going to a very liturgical uh, Methodist church, and so we had a pipe organ. Uh, we, you know, the preacher wore a robe, the choir wore robes, we had hymnals, we did the Apostles' Creed every week, we did the Gloria Patri every week, same worship service every week. I'm sure if I went back to that church now, they're still doing the same thing, okay? I mean, just very, very conservative. I became a Southern Baptist about 2003, and the first church I went to was a very large church, it was over about a thousand people, and so I walk in on that Sunday morning, they got a praise band, uh, nobody's in a robe. There's no hymnals. You're singing from the words on the PowerPoint screen. And I mean, you know, the preacher kind of dressed like I am, you know, didn't have a tie on or anything. And I'm literally sitting there and I'm looking around. And my first thought was this, I'm on a cable TV church show. Like I had never in my life seen that. 
I was used to, you know, looking at this hymnal. And so when I quote this song, it's going to take you back like it took me back this week, back to maybe those childhood and those pews in that hymnal. There is a hymn that some of you probably grew up singing, and here's what it said. I must tell Jesus all my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, he'll kindly help me. He ever loves me and cares for his own. Isn't that prayer? Prayer is coming to God and saying, God, I I need to tell you all my trials. Lord, I need to tell you all my problems. God, that's what prayer is, just for me to come and and to tell you what's going on and what I need and what's happening in my life. But, But when you pray, do you ever get stuck? You ever forget what you're praying about? You ever get tripped up on your words? You feel like it's just weak prayer? Feel like it's doing no good? Like if that's you this morning, guess what? You're not alone. I feel the same way sometimes. Sometimes I'll start praying about something, and then a minute down the road, I'm like, what, what in the world am I saying? What, what is, what's going on here? What, where did I start? I started over here, and now I'm way over here on this prayer. Is this doing any good? I may get tripped up sometimes and not even know what I'm praying about. If that's you, then listen, you're not alone. We've all been there, and we've all done that, and we all do that. But here's the good news about prayer I want you to get this morning. I really want you to kind of sit up straight on this one. If you're online, turn up the TV. Here's here's what I want you to get. I don't want you to miss this part. The power in prayer is not your words. The power is the Holy Spirit. See, the power in prayer is not your words. It's not the words you say. The power is the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is the power when we pray. It's not your words. Romans chapter 8 is one of the most beautiful chapters in all of the Bible to me because Paul is writing about the Holy Spirit and all that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. I want you to scan the chapter with me. In Romans chapter 8, we read in verse 2 that it is the Holy Spirit who sets us free from the sin of the law and of death. In verse 6, it's the Holy Spirit that gives us peace and he gives us life. In verse 11, it's the Holy Spirit that raises us from the dead of those of us that are in Christ Jesus. And then I want you to notice verses 14 through 16 with me, what the Holy Spirit does. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Notice verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Do you notice what the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit bears witness to your spirit whether or not you belong to Jesus. And so this morning you may say, listen, I, I, I want to know if I'm a believer in Christ. I, I may have questions that. I don't know that. Is the Holy Spirit testifying to you that you belong to Christ? And so we see what the Holy Spirit does. We see what the Holy Spirit's going to do. And I want you to notice what he does right now in our lives. Look in verses 38 through 39. I love these verses. He says, for I'm sure... And then neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, 
nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want you to notice what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit brings sinful man and God in a relationship forever. That's what those verses say. It says, listen, there's nothing that will separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That the Holy Spirit brings us to God. Now you might think, wait a minute, that's, that's impossible. It's impossible that the Holy Spirit would do that. I mean, there's no way God would forgive me if he, if he knew everything I've done. There's no way God would forgive my son or my daughter. They're too far gone. They've, they've gone away from the Lord for too long. There's no way that God would forgive my friend for that. There's no way God would forgive me. That's impossible. But listen, the Bible says that with God, all things are possible. Amen? That with God, it's possible that when you give your life to Jesus Christ, then the Holy Spirit brings you to God. And then that's relationship. It's never separated. There's nothing that you can do that you are left from God's hands. There's nothing that separates you from that. People ask me this all the time. Lee, can I lose my salvation? Can you lose your salvation? And we get that question a lot. Can I lose it? Listen, let me say it this way. In John chapter 3, Jesus says that you have to be born again. Listen, if you are born again, then you're never unborn. Let me explain it this way, the way Paul says it in Romans 8, verses 38 through 39. If God has you in his hand, then there's nothing that's going to take you out of God's hand. There's nothing that'll take you out. And if there is something that can take you out of God's hand, then he's not an all-powerful God, and I don't want to worship that God. But the Bible says there's nothing that will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit has put you in a relationship with him that will last forever. That's good news, amen? And so this morning, we see what the Holy Spirit has done, what he will do, but I want you to notice the way he helps us right now. Look in verse 26. It says that the Holy, excuse me, verse 22 is that the Holy Spirit gives us hope. Verse 22, it says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. Verse 24, For in this hope we were saved, Now hope that is seen is not hope, for he who hopes what he sees. For if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. I want you to look at what the Holy Spirit does in your life right now. He gives you hope. Now what are we waiting for? Paul says right there, we're waiting for something patiently. What are we waiting for? What are we eager for? What are we praying for as believers in Jesus Christ? What we're praying for is for Jesus to come back. That's what we're waiting for. We're eager about that. We want Christ to come back, and that's our our hope that he's going to come again. And you notice Paul talked a lot about hope in those three verses. 
And anytime you read any of the biblical authors, if you're seeing verses that mention the same word over and over and over and over again, you really want to kind of pay attention to that. Paul keeps using that word hope. What does it mean to have hope? You know, we, we have hope, but I would say there's two kinds of hope. See, there's a, there's a hope so kind of a hope. You know what a hope so hope is? A hope so kind of a hope is not a settled hope. It's not a fixed hope. See, a hope so type of hope, it, it can change based on different variables. All right, I, it plays out this way. Well, I, I'm going to the doctor. I hope that my medical test is going to be okay. Or maybe you go to work. I hope I'm going to get a raise at work. I'm going to get that promotion. See, that's a hope so type of a hope. It's not settled. It's not fixed. A, a variable can be introduced into the equation and it changes it. Maybe you go to the doctor and the, and the scan's not okay. Or you go to work and they say, listen, we didn't give you the promotion, we gave this person the promotion. So there's a hope so type of hope. But in the Bible that Paul's talking about, there's a hope that's settled. It's a hope that's fixed. And the reason that this hope is settled and it's fixed is because who the hope is on. See, we're putting our hope on Jesus. We're putting our hope in Christ and so Jesus said, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die on the cross for your sin. They're going to put me in a grave, and three days later, I'm going to come again. And then when I come back to life, I'm going to go to the Father, and don't anybody panic. I'm going to come back one day. And so we can have settled, fixed hope on Christ that if he's done all that he says he's going to do already, then he's going to do what he promised to do. And if all that's true in the past, then all that he's promised us in the future is going to come true as well. So Paul says we have this hope that we're waiting on, that we're eager for, and it's the return of Christ. But did you notice he says the days we're living in? It says, verse 22, that we're, we're living in the days of the pains of childbirth. The pains and the labor pains, the Bible would call it. In a few weeks, I'm going to preach a message uh, through a series we're going to do called Asking for a Friend and Hard Questions of the Faith. And you may have asked this question. You may have seen this question. You may have gotten this question like I have. Are we living in the end times? Are we in the last days right now? Well, let me just tell you this. I'd get ready if I were you. I'd make sure I was right with God if I were you. Because do I believe Jesus could come back at any moment? Yes. I believe he might come back in my lifetime, and I'm okay with that. I'm not going to argue, are you? So I would say, listen, we are right now living, as verse 22 says, in childbirth labor time. Ladies, you're going to get this illustration far better than us guys. But you know, when it comes time to deliver the child, that those labor pains increase the contractions come faster and faster, and they get harder and harder as birth is about to happen. And we can look out at our world right now, and we can see those labor pains, as verse 22 says, that creation's groaning right now for redemption. That when we see hurricanes and wildfires and tornadoes and tsunamis, what's happening is creation is groaning for redemption. Creation's crying out, we're ready to be redeemed, we're ready to be restored for Christ to come again. That's the time we're living in. The urgency's the moment. Get right with the Lord because those labor pains are getting more and more and more. The birth's about to come. 
I love what one author says about that verse. He says, the pain you go through in childbirth is not meaningless. The pain brings new life. Right now, that pain we're in, the hope we have is in a return of Christ. But I want you to notice what the Holy Spirit also does on a very practical, daily level for you and for me as we pray. Look in verse 25. We see the active work of the Holy Spirit in our prayers. It says in verse 25, but if we have hope for what we do not see, we wait with it for patience. It says, then the likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep with words. Notice what he says, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. You know, we're a, a culture that we don't celebrate weakness. We cheer strength. We, we don't celebrate being weak. We say be strong. And we celebrate the strong. We celebrate the winners. I mean, if you think even in our sports movies, our, our underdogs, we don't celebrate them until they get strong. You know, you take Rocky. We don't celebrate Rocky until the end when he goes the distance with the champ and Rocky won. You don't celebrate Rudy until he makes the tackle at the end of the game. When the underdog becomes strong, then we celebrate them because they're strong. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says when you're weak, you're strong. When you admit the weakness, that's when you find strength. When you come to Jesus and say, listen, I'm weak. I need help. He meets you there. When you say, I can't do this. He says, okay, I'll help you. Until you humble yourself and say, Jesus, I need you, then you're just going to push him off. But when you come and say, I'm weak, then he says, I make strength out of weakness. And what is he saying that we're weak in? What does the verse say in verse 26? That he helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Anybody get lost in those prayers? Sometimes have a situation someone's given you to pray about and you don't know what to say. You sat down with a friend over a cup of coffee and they've spilled their life out to you. Will you pray for me? Sure. You go to pray for them later and just the words are escaping you. Have you ever been in that situation? I, I have. I've gotten calls in the night to come to a hospital late. And I'm walking in that hospital room. I'm saying, God, I, I don't know what in the world to do here. I don't know what to say. I've had times people sit down with me just like with you and share something. It comes time to pray. I don't, I don't know what to pray here. We've all been there. And that's what he's saying. The Holy Spirit helps us when we ought to pray, but we don't know how to pray or what to pray for. Because we have to remember that the power of prayer, it's not in our words, the power is the Holy Spirit. And here's the good news, that when you pray, there are two people that are interceding for you. Now watch this, because I really love this. When you pray, the first person who is interceding for you is Jesus. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Romans eight thirty four. 
who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he is the one who's raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for you. Because Christ died, Christ rose from the grave, Christ right now is interceding for you in heaven when you pray. But notice the Holy Spirit's doing the same thing. Verse 26 says the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning of words too deep. So when you pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes. He's saying the words. Now don't raise your hand on this because I don't want to get you in trouble. Okay, seriously, don't raise your hand on this one. All right, if you're online, you're sitting there with somebody, don't raise your hand either. Because this could cause a fight. All right, I'm just warning you. But have you ever been driving with someone? You know what? I'm not even going to stand on this side over where my wife is because I don't want to get in trouble. Right, I'm going to move over to this side. Have you ever been driving with someone and they're sitting in the back seat or in the passenger seat and they tell you how to drive? Like I said, don't raise your hand. Why'd you turn there? I would have turned this way. You're going too fast. You're going too slow. Did you see that bike? Watch that car. That car stopped. The light's red. The light's green. Which way are you going? Right? We've all been there. We've all had the back seat drivers. We've all had the passenger seat drivers. Listen, Paul's saying, when you pray, the Holy Spirit's not the backseat driver. He's not the passenger seat driver. When you pray, the Holy Spirit's not saying, I would have said it that way. Why are you using that word? I would use this word. No, 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 you don't need to pray for that. You need to pray for this. That's not what the Holy Spirit's doing. Look again in verse 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep with words. And so what he's saying there is this, that when you pray, the Holy Spirit's doing the heavy lifting. He's doing the praying. He's forming the words. He's put the thoughts in your mind. And when you get lost, and when you get off track, and when you say, I don't even know what to say, the Holy Spirit says, don't worry. That's my job. I'm doing the heavy lifting here. See, the power in prayer is not in the words you pray. The power is the Holy Spirit. Because notice how Paul ends this section. He says, not only does the Holy Spirit intercede for us in prayer, but he makes our prayers effective. He makes our prayers effective. Verse 27 says, And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Here's what happens when a believer in Jesus prays. When you pray, the Holy Spirit's taking that prayer and he's making it effective. He's taking that prayer and he's, he's aligning it to the will of God for you. He's taking that prayer and he's saying, okay, God searches the heart and he knows my mind. And so I'm going to take your prayer and I'm going to line it up under the will of God. See, the Holy Spirit is the power that you and I have in prayer. So here's the good news. This week, pray. Talk to God. As we've said over the course of this series, that when we pray, God does far more than we can ever think and imagine. When you pray as a believer in Jesus Christ, you come to God, as we talked about last week, as your Father. And here's the good news. He's going to do more than answer your request. He's going to answer you. 
See, that's what prayer is. Prayer is not just God answering what you're asking for. God's answering you. God's answering you as his son. God's answering you as his daughter. God's answering you as his father. God's saying, I'm not just giving you what you're asking for. I'm answering you. So talk to him. Pray. And when you pray this week, will it be uncomfortable at times? Maybe. Will you get lost? Maybe. Will you you kind of get off track and not even know what to say? You might. But here's the good news. When you pray, the power's not in those words you're going to pray. The power is the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to intercede for you. The Holy Spirit's going to make that prayer effective for you. And He's going to line it up under the will of God for you. And so just like that hymn said, I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, He'll kindly help me. He ever loves me and cares for His own. This week, when you pray, God's going to do more than answer your need. He's going to answer you, his child. So pray. Let's pray together right now. I'm going to encourage you right where you are, whether you're here in this worship center, you're here at home, to pray. To remember as you pray right this very moment, the power of your prayer is not in your words. The power is the Holy Spirit. And so Take God those trials this morning. Let Jesus know those situations, the burdens that are on your mind and in your heart. Talk to Him about them. Give them to Him. He ever loves me and cares for His own. God is the one that has created prayer. We didn't come up with this. God says, here's how you communicate to me. You pray. And today it When you pray, you may stumble. You may not know exactly what to say. You might not be able to form all those complete sentences. Oh, but there's power in that prayer. Because the power is the Holy Spirit. And so talk to God right now with what's on your heart and your mind. You do that in your home today as you're watching. You do that here in this worship center. So as many are praying, I'm going to encourage you today. If you don't know Christ Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, I came to believe that He was my Savior at the age of 14. One night in my bedroom, I didn't know what to pray, but I know I needed Jesus, and I prayed. And I simply just said, Jesus, I'm ready to follow you. I want to know you. Maybe today that's you. That the Holy Spirit right now has told your spirit, you don't belong to Jesus. But now you have an opportunity. Today can be that day of salvation for you. And you can pray, Jesus, I'm ready to be a follower of you. I'm ready to be saved. And the good news is when you pray that, that the Holy Spirit is the one who puts man and God together in a relationship forever. Just as Romans 10, 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You do that right where you're sitting. As I close us in prayer, We're going to have an opportunity uh, to pray some more, to sing. We're going to sing one final song, I Surrender All. And I'm going to invite you to come. I'll be down front. There'll be another couple that'll be happy to receive you and pray for you. If you have something to pray for, 
Maybe today it's to say, look, I want to know how to be a believer in Jesus. I'm ready to be saved. We'll be happy to pray with you and talk with you, answer questions about that. Father God, thank you that we can call you Father. That, that Father, we can come to you and you listen to us when we pray. Lord, I think of Psalm 18 as David says in verse 3, Lord, let your ear and our prayers come to your ear, Lord, in your temple. Father, I thank you that you do far more than we can ever think and imagine when we pray according to Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21. And so, Father, I pray as you hear these prayers, Lord, we know that the power's not in the words we're praying, it's the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for not answering just our needs and our wants and our requests, but answering us, your children, that you have saved, that you have brought into to, to your family. And Lord, I pray for anyone that's watching, anyone that's here present, that doesn't know Christ, today's that day that they come into the family of God. And so Lord, help us to surrender to you what we need to surrender. Help us to pray this week knowing that you're going to answer us. And the power is the Holy Spirit. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.